0: Welcome to Orchard Community Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We are glad you are here to learn, grow, and deepen your relationship with Christ. This week's message is brought to you by Pastor Matt Hoyt. Well, on Easter Sunday, little Justin sat in his Sunday school class, and his teacher asked, can anyone tell me the meaning of Easter? Nobody raised their hand. After a while, Justin finally did, and he said, Easter is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Very good, Justin, the teacher said. Can you tell us anything else about Easter? Justin thought about it for a moment, and he said, Now, every year on Easter Sunday, we move the boulder aside so that Jesus can come out, and if he sees his shadow, then he knows that there's going to be six more weeks of winter. It's a funny story. But actually, it's not that uncommon for people to be confused about Easter. I saw this tweet this week. I'm going to put that up there. This is from Chrissy Teigen, a model and TV personality, and she's confused about Easter. She writes, wait, what is the Easter story for kids? Why do we hide eggs? To lure the bunny? Does the bunny hide the eggs? Do you put something else out there to lure the bunny to hide the eggs? Who do the kids think hides them? I'm so confused. Please hurry. I'm not sure how she doesn't know the bunny story, but apparently she doesn't. It was interesting to see all of her followers jump on there and go, no, the bunny hides the eggs. And she's like, but do you put out carrots for the bunny to get him to come? (laughs) Well, as people of faith, we know that the true meaning of Easter is that, like little Justin said, that Jesus rose from the dead. But most of us are probably confused about how bunnies and eggs got hooked up with that, right? Where did that come from? Well, I got the answer for you. From ancient times, rabbits have been known for their breeding habits, right? They multiply <laughs> They multiply quickly, right? So they've been known since ancient times as a sign of life and fertility. And eggs are, were also, in ancient times, known as signs of life and fertility. Well, Easter is about the resurrection of Jesus. It's about new life. And so over time, people, as they became Christians, they took some of these old symbols with them and they began to apply these signs of new life to Easter and so they became joined up and somewhere along the line the bunny story sprang up and I heard that it was brought to America by German immigrants. So that is how that came to be. But, but bunnies and chicks and eggs really are signs of new life and they do fit in a way by giving those illustrations to us. But it's common for people to be confused about Easter. It's common for people even to be skeptical about the idea that Jesus rose from the dead. Easter has always been a hard thing for people to grasp from the very first Easter Sunday, which we'll see this morning, right up until today. So if you've come this morning and you've got some of those thoughts on your mind, some confusion, some skepticism, I want you to know that that's actually a kind of a natural thing. Because part of the message of Easter really is that with God, impossible things can become possible. And that's a hard thing to wrap your mind around at first. But it also means that the message of Easter is one that has the power to change our lives. Well, leading up to Easter here at Orchard, we've been going through a series of messages called Who Do You Say I Am? During Jesus' lifetime, there was some confusion about who Jesus was and people had all kinds of different ideas, so much so that at one point, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? And the truth is that people are still dealing with that question today and have all kinds of their own ideas about exactly who they believe that Jesus is. So with this series, we've been looking at who people in the scripture said Jesus was and more importantly, at who Jesus truly is. Because it's only when we begin to understand who Jesus really is that we can begin to understand how we should respond to him, what place he should have in our life and what our relationship with him should actually be. So on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus' followers learned one more amazing thing about him, about who he was and is. They learned that he is not just the Lord, but our risen Lord. The tomb was empty, the angels proclaimed it, Jesus had said it, but really it was only when they had a personal experience with Jesus that they came to fully believe it. So pray with me, and we're going to take a look at this story. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you'd speak with power this morning, a story 2,000 years old that speaks life-changing truth. Lord, we pray that you would make it come alive for our hearing, that you would uh, touch our hearts with the power of resurrection faith and what it means not just for our future in heaven, but for our lives right here today. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So listen to the story of the first Easter from the Gospel of Luke. We'll take just the first 12 verses to begin. This is Luke 24, verses 1 through 12, and it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men, clothes that gleamed like lightning, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. And the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you a while while he was still in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So this story begins early on the first Easter Sunday. Jesus had died on Friday, but because of Jewish law, the women were not able to go uh, to visit the tomb until after the Sabbath, the Jewish holy day, the worship day. It starts on sundown on Friday and ends on sundown on Saturday. So verse 1 tells us that it was early on Sunday morning that the women headed out to the tomb. They were bringing spices to prepare his body for its burial and, and also they were going clearly to mourn. So Jesus' tomb, like many tombs in Israel, was carved into a hillside into the rock and closed with a large stone that was rolled across the entrance. But when the women arrive in verses 2 and 3, they don't find what they expected. The stone covering the entrance has been rolled away. And when they go inside the tomb to investigate, they find that Jesus' body is not there. And it says that they began to wonder what had happened in verse 4. But you know, the word wonder there, it really isn't strong enough. The word in the Greek there uh, also means dumbfounded or, or disturbed. Basically, they were shocked. They were confused by this whole situation. And if you imagine, so many things must have been going through their minds. They were recalling that Jesus had been betrayed, had been given an unfair trial with trumped-up charges and false witnesses, He had been handed over to the Romans who brutally beat him and put him on trial before Pilate who found him innocent but then had him crucified anyways because of the pressure of the crowd. What now, they must have been thinking. He was dead. Wasn't that enough? Couldn't they just leave him alone? Let him be in peace? Had the Romans taken his body? Maybe the Jewish leaders had come and taken it. Maybe someone else had snuck in and stolen it. What? were they going to do to him now? And we get to those places, don't we? Where life gets the best of us and we don't know what to do. When our finances go south, when we have a health crisis, when our marriage gets rocky or our kids struggle, there are all kinds of things that can do that to us. And sometimes in those moments we feel lost And other times we just feel beaten. But it's in those places that so often we realize that we need something bigger than ourselves, that we need some help in this life. And it was just then that help came to the women. God sent a message. The second part of verse 4 says that the two men were in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And began to speak to them. They tell them that that Jesus is risen. Well, the women are so frightened in verse 5, it says that they bow down with their faces to the ground. The passage here, notice it simply calls them men. It doesn't mention that they're angels, but the way that they're dressed gives us a clue, and the way that they're spoken about in Matthew gives us a clue that that's who they really are. And then the angels ask the women what should have been an obvious question for them. They ask, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And then one of the angels speaks those famous words of Easter, that famous greeting. He says, he is not here, he is risen. And these words really capture the truth of Easter, the fact that we don't have just faith, but we have powerful faith. We have resurrection faith. We have Easter faith in the risen one. And in the second part of verse six, the angel reminds the women of the things that Jesus had said, most notably in verse seven, that he would rise again. And then it clicked for the women. They got it. Verse eight says they remembered they remembered that Jesus had said this would happen and that he would rise. In fact, the Gospels record three different times that Jesus said this. How could they have forgotten? They just got caught up in the emotion of that week. But now, what were they going to do? They needed to to tell somebody. So they run and they find the disciples. And in verses 9 and 10, it says, and when they came back to the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, and the mother of James, and the others with them who told the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. That's the disciples' response. They didn't believe it. The word nonsense there is laros in Greek. It's from the word we get, uh, we get the word delirious from maleros. it a medical term that referred to someone who was out of their mind, who was kind of babbling incessantly. And that really sums up what the disciples thought. They thought the women were out of their minds. They didn't believe it. And with verse 12, we do find that Peter goes to take a look for himself. So if you think about it, this isn't really a great start to the story, is it? The women didn't believe Jesus had risen. It was only when the angel told them that they got it. And the disciples don't believe it all, even when they're told by the women. So if you've come today with some confusion and some skepticism, you're in good company. Because even the people who knew Jesus personally and heard him say that he would rise again, well, they had a hard time believing it at first. And I, I love the fact that the Bible is honest about that that it doesn't whitewash this story and present the disciples as though they had perfect, flawless faith, but it's honest with the fact that even they struggled with the idea that Jesus rose from the dead at first just like we might struggle. But let's follow this story just a little bit further. The chapter continues and Jesus appears to two disciples on the road to Emmaus and they don't recognize him at first because they think Jesus is dead and buried but when they do he kind of vanishes from their presence and so they go to tell the other disciples about what has happened and that's where we'll pick up the story with the second passage today. This is Luke 24 verses 36 through 49. It says this, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of, a joy and amazement he asked them do you have anything here to eat they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence he said to them this is what i told you while i was still with you everything must be fulfilled that was written about me in the law of moses the prophets and the psalms then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And Jesus is talking about the fact that they're to wait because the Holy Spirit will come to them. Well, Verse 36 what says that while they were still talking about this, they're still talking about this report from these two disciples on the road who encountered Jesus. It says suddenly Jesus appeared right there in the room and Jesus says, peace be with you. Now that's the normal Jewish greeting, peace be with you. We say hello or something like that. And it's kind of ironic here though, right? Because Jesus appearing should have brought them great peace because they're so sad that he's died. But instead, Jesus appears, he says peace be with you and they're not peaceful at all, are they? That says they're terrified because they think that Jesus is a ghost in verse 37. Not their most manly moment, right? A kind of funny and yet, We understand, don't we, what it is to be scared. Because life can get really scary sometimes. And there are so many things that can make us feel that way. The pandemic has done that to many of us at times. The war that rages on with the threat of escalation the threat of a global recession, the mass shootings that have returned now that the pandemic has receded, and so many things. We can be afraid that we won't make the grade or make the cut or things won't go the way that we need them to. And again, when we're in those places in life, we realize that we need something bigger than ourselves, that we need some help. And just like with the women, help was there. Help was there for the disciples, Jesus was there. So Jesus in this moment calls them to faith over fear. He says, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your mind? And then he seeks to comfort them. He's trying to assure them that he's not actually a ghost. So in verses 39 and 40, he invites them to come and to see him and to, to touch him, even to touch his hands and feet, to see the wounds from being nailed to the cross. And he says, you know, a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. I do see that. It's interesting. It says that, that it's, they still didn't believe in, in verse 41 because of joy and amazement. I think that means maybe it was too good to be true. They just, they just couldn't take it and it was too much. And so Jesus tries again and he says, well, have you got anything to eat? Early Jewish tradition was that angels and spirits didn't eat and so Jesus is trying to again prove that he's not a ghost. So he says, have you got anything? And they give him some fish and he eats it again to prove to them that he's not a ghost, that he is Jesus, that he has risen from the dead. And then In verse 44, just as the angels did with the women, Jesus reminds them that he had told them that all of this was going to happen. As I said, the gospel records actually three different times when Jesus did that. So Jesus also says here that the things that are happening, well, these are things the prophets said would happen. He wants them to know that things are happening here, not just the way he said, but the way that God had planned for them to be from the very beginning beginning So with verse 45, Luke says that he opened their minds so that they could understand the scripture. Luke doesn't say if he opened their minds simply by teaching them or if he sort of spiritually touched them kind of supernaturally and gave them some kind of of insight. And I kind of think maybe it was a little bit of both. A little bit of teaching and a little bit of maybe a spiritual touch to overcome just the, the disbelief and confusion that they were in because it all begins to set in To their minds, then, and they begin to understand. In verses 46 and 7, Jesus says, This is what is written the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. This is Jesus telling them once again who he is. He says, I'm the Messiah, and we've seen over these last weeks here at Orchard in our study about who Jesus is, we've seen that when Jesus says he's the Messiah, it means also that he's the Son of God. It means that he's our Lord and our Savior, but here he's adding one more title, one more aspect of who he is to their understanding, and he says here that he's the risen Lord, Jesus has actually made this clear in other places. John 11:25, he says, "I am the resurrection and the life." He said that before. And at the end of the Bible, in Revelation, there's a moment in Revelation 1:18 where Jesus is talking about himself, and he says, "I am the living One. I died, but I'm the living one now." Jesus is clear that this is an integral. An important, central part of who he is. He is the risen Lord. And as our risen Lord, it means something important about Jesus. It means that Jesus has conquered the greatest challenge of this life. Jesus has conquered the greatest fear of this life because Jesus has conquered death. And it means that there's nothing else that we could ever face in this life that Jesus doesn't already have in hand. Now, one of the reasons that I think some people have trouble with the resurrection is because a God who can raise the dead is seriously powerful. And you know, that's a new thought for some folks. Maybe maybe you were raised with a pretty weak kind of impression of God. I think a lot of people are. And in fact, I think a lot of people are more comfortable with a wimpy God who's kind of a feel-good God, who doesn't do much and doesn't expect anything. You know, several years ago in Britain, researchers did a door-to-door survey asking people about their beliefs in God. And one of their questions was this. The question was, do you believe in a God who intervenes in human history, who changes the course of affairs, who performs miracles? That was one of the questions. And when they published the study... They took the title from the response of this one guy because they felt like this one guy was really typical of of the response that a lot of people had. This one guy, when he was asked this question, do you believe in a God who intervenes in history? Do you believe in a God who does miracles? He says, no, I don't believe in that God. I believe in the regular one (laughs) who doesn't do things or expect things in whom faith doesn't really matter or change our lives in any way. But the resurrection confronts us with a powerful God, and we're smart enough to know that believing in a God like that changes things. And that may be more than we bargained for. Because sadly, we have this tendency in life to kind of rely on things that don't actually meet the deepest needs of our lives. And so we find ourselves in crisis so often when difficulty hits. We often gravitate towards flash and style and fun and excitement rather than substance. Substance isn't as fun, is it? Substance isn't always shiny and exciting and easy. In fact, substantive things are often challenging or even difficult But in the end, real substance is what we actually need. And the power of Easter is a God of substance who has a word of life and of hope and of grace for us. The idea that Jesus rose from the dead may be hard to comprehend. But the truth is, we need a God with the power to do things like that. A God who actually is got the power to change our lives, to make a difference in this world, or else why believe it all? But if we do believe, Jesus will not only fill us with God's love and grace, grace that wipes the slate clean of every sin, making it as though it never happened in the first place, but in Jesus will give us this powerful new life, resurrection life, and this resurrection life that Jesus promises us is not something that we just inherit when we die. It's actually a promise for right here and right now, because you know what, friends, there's a lot of resurrection that God wants to do in your life today. No matter how this life may have beat you up and knocked you down, no matter how many times you may have blown it and tripped and fallen on your face, and despite the fact that when you're on the ground feeling beaten up and torn down and ashamed and humiliated and maybe thinking, I don't know if I can do it, I don't know if I can get up again, it doesn't matter. Because we have a God who's in the resurrection business. Jesus, the risen one, can raise you up by faith, can do things in you that you could never do for yourself. Because with God, what seems impossible can become possible. So when we celebrate the resurrection, we don't just celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death. We do, and that's true and it's amazing beyond measure, but we also celebrate all the other resurrections that God has done and is still doing and wants to do in you. To resurrect you, not only from sin and death, but from failure and hurt, from abuse and addiction, from discouragement and defeat, from financial failure and health crisis, from loss and grief, from marriage troubles and family struggles, from emotional trauma, from feeling unloved and unwanted, from every sin and hurt that you could ever experience, from every disappointment that you could ever encounter in this life, God can resurrect you from it, and he wants to do it. And he wants to start that work in you today through Jesus Christ, our crucified and risen Lord. One last thing the resurrection and really faith itself are not things that we simply come to believe intellectually. There certainly is an intellectual component to faith. I'm a big believer in that. That's why we do such heavy teaching at times here. But so much more what happens is that our belief in the resurrection, our faith grows from experience. It grows from the experience of meeting Jesus Jesus had told those disciples that he would rise again, but that head knowledge was not enough for them to believe it. It was only later when they had a personal encounter with the risen Lord that they became sure that Jesus had risen from the dead. And that's my prayer for each of us today, that we would have a personal experience with Jesus, maybe for you for the very first time. Maybe for you it would be the first time in an awful long time. Or maybe it would simply grow you deeper in faith. So reach out for that experience. Ask Jesus to touch your life and you won't be disappointed. Amen. Pray with me. Loving God, we just lift up our hearts to you today in celebration of the resurrection. Lord, knowing that you are truly a powerful God and that your interest in us does not begin when we die, it starts right now. You wanna come into our lives and fill us with a new kind of powerful resurrection life that changes everything. So Lord, we pray that we would do that, that we would invite you in and live with you every day and be touched and changed and grow each day in your resurrection power, and the power of Jesus Christ our crucified and risen Lord. Amen.